Welcome to episode 52 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Pat. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. Deuce. Here we go, boys. We got a we got a good one lined up here. We got a little variety, a little something for everybody, and we hope all the listeners have been eagerly anticipating this episode. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. Doing well. Doing well. We're into the new year. 2021 is upon us. And it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be <laughs> it has to be. It has to be better. We gotta be like shh. Don't scare this year. Don't scare it away. Doesn't have to do much. Just don't be 2020. <laughs> That's all we ask. Well, hopefully everyone is off to a good start so far in 2021. And we pre-apologize for Eddie's belching. He's just tossing back. Uh, he's just tossing back sodas like nobody's business. Listen, I need that Dr. Pepper juice today. I need the peps. And I need it. We so, all need a little pick-me-up every now and then. So here you go with your extra peppy episode of Paranormal Dads. Should we dive right into it? Uh, who's I'm trying to think? Who's uh, who's on board for uh, recent sightings this time, guys? Who's on first? What's on second? Actually, I am who and the what. <laughs> I've got recent sightings. Woo! So this is actually coming straight from NBC News, guys. This is real legit. This big wasn't time from- story. This wasn't from Grandpa Joe's blog. This is this no. from a credible source. The from the National itself. Broadcasting Corporation. Do peacocks have lips, Andy? I don't know. <laughs> did you say straight from the peacock's lips? I did. <laughs> I can't work in this environment. <laughs> I'm not prepared to answer such questions, Eddie. Tell me! <laughs> a bill? A beak? I don't know what peacocks I have. I don't know. Well, if you go to, uh, there's a bar here in Omaha called Tanner's. They sell chicken lips, so peacocks probably have lips. Yeah, I've I've been there before. They have good food, but every time I see that on the menu, I'm like, eh, just (laughs) give me a a burger. I'm good. (laughs) You hover over it with your finger? Uh, No, not today. Anyway, so this goes back about a month, December 8th, 2020. In an article uh, posted by Adelia Suleiman and Paul Goodman of NBC News. And it was, uh, the headline was Former Israeli Space Security Chief says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knows about it. So the former head of Israeli's defense ministry, man by the name of Haim Eshed, said aliens exist. They have been in contact with uh, leaders here on Earth. And have asked us not to publish that they are here because humanity is not ready for it. But uh, apparently there's something called the Galactic Federation, and it has been waiting for humans to reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> what are they waiting for is my question. This is for me, a chicken and the egg, man. We get ready. By knowing we have to be ready. Have they checked out what humans do? We're no, not pretty clear. You know, what, what, at what stage of enlightenment do we need to reach before we could accept news like that? Yeah, well, we only do things when we have to. <laughs> it, well, I don't know. I think some people would accept it, and for some people it would clash with their religious beliefs, or, you know, it, you'd have a hodgepodge. Then again, you know, studies show that a, a huge percent of the population it's way over 50 percent now openly believe in the possibility of extraterrestrial life the vast majority of those people believe we're already being visited and i don't know as far as are we are we advanced enough to to accept this i remember a documentary i watched years ago with uh dr michio kaku uh who's kind of a well-known science dude he talks a lot about you know he has books out he talks a lot about the advancement of human and, you know, extraterrestrial civilization. 
and he's talking about the types of civilizations, uh, type zero, type one, two, three, four. I think it goes up to four. He says humans are a type zero population, a type zero population, meaning we are not even advanced enough to control the, the planet, the, the weather on our own planet. And that and is Kaku burn right there. Yeah. Kaku burn. Face Kaku throwing shade at us, man. But when you can think about the different stages of of the human race here on Earth, because you've got tribes that shoot arrows at airplanes and and fill up, you know, an airplane like it's some kind of a beast flying over their villages in remote areas of the world, and and so there are different stages just in the human race of what is knowledge, you know. Yep. Well, and you know. And, and also consider, you know, how how primitive we are, you know, as as wonderful as humans can be in the grand scheme of things. We haven't been around very long. And, you know, if these aliens who are visiting us are thousands of years more advanced, I mean, can you imagine like all the technology that we presently have available has more or less been developed in the last hundred years? Yeah. So imagine a civilization that's been around tens of thousands, perhaps tens of millions of years longer than we have, their technology would border on on magic. I mean, it wouldn't even be science. It would be magical to us. And so uh, are we ready to come to grips with that? I, I don't know. But this defense secretary of, of Israel says, he says they're already here, Pat. He says Trump knows about it. Everyone knows about it. Yeah, so the the interview was actually conducted in Hebrew, but it gained traction after parts were published uh, in English by the Jerusalem Post. And a, uh, a shed said the, the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand the fabric of the universe. Uh, apparently, there's cooperation agreements between us and the aliens. Uh, they've been signed, uh, including an underground base in the depths of Mars where there are currently are American astronauts and alien representatives present, which is just mind boggling. So, you know, I can see why some of us might not be ready to accept that if, you know, something like that would actually be true that we, not only are we always talking about going to Mars, we're already there. According to this, there's an agreement between the U S government and the aliens. They signed the contract, uh, with us to do experiments here, this report said. So <laughs> what experiments those would be, I, I don't know. But he also added that President Trump does is aware of the extraterrestrial's existence and has been on the verge of revealing information but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria. So we're not going to, you know, obviously we're not going to turn this into a political discussion because this is not a political podcast. But I will say, no matter which party you subscribe to, I think we can all agree that Trump is an outspoken individual, <laughs> to say the least. And and I was, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been disappointed. I thought if any president in history would kind of blow the whistle on it, either intentionally or accidentally, you know, maybe he'd let something fly off in a Twitter rant, you know, to say what he knows about extraterrestrials, you know, but I, I, I did totally you know, agree with you 100 percent. It's like or, if, if, yeah. if anybody would have let something out, I would think it would have been him. And he hasn't. So or, you, you know that there's a lot of pressure on the upper levels of of uh, the government that if you even share any of this information you did. Uh, it's not going to be tolerated, right? Yeah. Well, and a couple presidents throughout history have expressed, you know, an interest in it. Um, you know, sure, Ronald we- R- Ronald Reagan was quoted many times, you know, talking about if there was a extraterrestrial threat, you know, from a from some other civilization, you know, humanity would put its differences aside and join forces together. Uh, Jimmy Carter actually officially reported. A UFO sighting that he had back in the day before he took office. Right. And I think there was other, uh, Obama was kind of quiet about the subject of UFOs in general. Uh, people asked Clinton about it all the time and he kind of jokingly dodged it. But, you know, he said he would like to know and he was frustrated that he didn't know any answers just the same as all of us. But there were stories uh, about Nixon as well. Nixon, yeah. uh, supposedly took somebody to actually see a UFO, uh, 
famous actor. I can't remember who it was. No, that's right. I think we talked, I think we talked about it. We did. It's, it's, it's really interesting because some of the stuff I've come across too with this was like, there's some presidents they do tell and some they don't, you know? And I'm like, that's crazy too. Cause you would think that at some, and we got, you got to love the phantom. They, but, um, but you would think that if you're the president, you're getting that information no matter what, but there's reports that there's specifically some presidents who they just withheld that from. Well, Bush was one of them. They were like, we're not telling him. Well, and it makes you wonder too, if the presidents who are most interested in it are, you know, not given the information for fear that they might, you know, what if, what if some guy got, you know, got in the office, you know, to president specifically with that agenda in mind? Okay, tell me everything you can about UFOs. And then, you know, the CIA is like, nope, don't tell this guy. He's going to he's going to let everybody know the, the truth. Right. Yeah. He has a podcast called Paranormal Dads. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't tell him. <laughs> the worst idea. And man, so, and you, this doesn't yeah. surprise me either, though, that we would be working with them, too. Like, ah, we'll help you change your tires in space. It's good. Here's here's my thought process, and this has always been my hang-up when it comes to the thought of extraterrestrials giving us advanced technology. That would, I mean, that could end very disastrously. That would be like, okay, what if um, as a gift to a eight-year-old kid, you give him the keys to your Porsche? You know, <laughs> that, yeah, in, in theory, it's nice, but he's not mature enough to operate a vehicle. Uh, that could potentially harm himself and others. So I'm like, yep. if okay, if they're giving us keys to you know spacecraft that can blow up planets and and navigate through wormholes, are we mature enough to use it? Are we are we ethical enough to use something like that? Uh, I, I don't think we are yet. Um, yeah, I, I think agree. some people are, some people are, but a lot of us aren't. You know, I'm gonna say I admire the sophistication of your of your argument, Andy, because I was thinking I'm kind of bummed that this has already happened because I wanted to be the first guy to high five <laughs> an alien on Mars. That's, that's all I wanted. <laughs> like the high five on Mars. Eddie would be the eight year old in the spaceship. You'd <laughs> <laughs> have to give him a high three. They only have three fingers. Oh yeah. You gotta put, yeah, you gotta give him that one. You gotta hold back the other two fingers. Well, but anybody who wants, you know, you can go. Um, I'm looking at the news article right now on my phone. It's, uh, again, through NBC and, uh, I don't know, credible. You got people that high up the, the level of command, you know, the, the former defense secretary um, of Israel. I don't know. That, that's pretty credible. And you, you said it was initially came out in, in Hebrew before it was translated to English. Right, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the and- Hebrew word is for probing. And a, there's also a book mentioned in the article. Apparently, this guy has a book coming out, or somebody is writing a book about um, this guy's career, and it, they go into more detail. So uh, that might be an interesting read too, if if you're looking for a late Christmas present for anyone. Ooh. Check it out. It's it's listed there in the article. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for pulling that one up for us, Pat. It's time for pop culture. And the paranormal. All right. I hope you guys and our fun listeners are all ready for the pop culture and paranormal. Like most all of us listening, I think we all grew up with the Saturday morning cartoons. You get up early, you have your pajamas on. Or if you're like me, I slept in a potato sack with a (laughs) brown paper bag for a tank top. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I'd run to this kitchen, get a big old mixing bowl, and you'd fill it up with your favorite breakfast cereal. But today, we're going to discuss our favorite spooky paranormal breakfast cereals. Look at Pat. He's excited now. <laughs> His mouth is watering. I'm hungry. So this is brought to you in proud participation with our good friends over at MrBreakfast.com. So make sure you check out MrBreakfast.com for all of your breakfast food comparisons and needs. <laughs> so with that, we're going to go down the uh, top ten. And I did a little bit more digging, and these are the most fun ones to talk about. Uh, spooky, scary, paranormal-themed breakfast cereals. Coming in at a cool number 10, we got Spooky Marshmallow Fruit Loops. 
So it's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) What you see is what you get. I've never heard of that one. Spooky. Spooky marshmallow Fruit Loops. As if Fruit Loops wasn't enough sugar to make your teeth a little bit wiggly. (laughs) We're going to throw marshmallows in the mix, too. (laughs) Toucan Sam just couldn't help himself, huh? Toucan Sam doesn't have teeth, kids, and there's a reason why. (laughs) Uh, This was basically the Fruit Loops cereal uh, in the shape of ghosts, skeleton masks, and bones uh, with the marshmallows. Otherwise, it was the, the typical Fruit Loops. Um, they have also published or published. They've also uh, created the cereal under alternative names, known as not just Spooky Marshmallow Fruit Loops, but Spooky Fruit Loops, Frightening Fruit Loops, Freaky Fruit Loops, and my personal favorite, Haunted Fruit Loops Manor, to make it classic <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> Welcome to Haunted Fruit Loops Manor. This is my butler. Marshmallow Mike. <laughs> and it only gets better from here. That was only number 10. <laughs> it only gets better here. Coming in at number nine, Kooky Cocoa Rice Krispies. Uh, Halloween season of t- 2003, Cocoa Rice Krispies had, once again, the theme. You're going to see a theme in here. Marshmallow Ghosts. <laughs> we need to make a marshmallow ghost business, guys. That's what we need. <laughs> um, I prefer Kooky Cocoa Rice Krispies because the alternate name for this one was Creepy Cocoa Rice Krispies, and that just that just doesn't feel right on some yeah, level. The best part about Cocoa Krispies is after they're all gone, you get to drink the milk that's turned into chocolate milk. Exactly. There you, there you go. It's like a double treat. Exactly. You know the gift the gift of cereal that keeps on giving. And then following the uh, Fruit Loops, the uh, cookie uh, uh, Rice Krispies decided to get a little fancy and came out with also Haunted Cocoa Rice Krispies Manor. Mm. Well, another, another estate there. Descend now. Can I, can I can I tell you guys something? I need to get something off my chest. Uh oh, here we go. And this is a safe. <laughs> this safe is terrible. this is this is an open safe space for sharing, and I know I won't be judged. We're here to so listen. I will just say, there's been times where I'll finish, you know, a nice, delicious, tasty bowl of um, cocoa, cocoa puffs or, or cocoa pebbles, and and I'll then I'll take the chocolatey milk and I'll dump a little bit of it in my coffee, just a splash, just to liven up my coffee a little bit, give it a little flavor, give it a little body, and uh, so it's like coffee infused with cocoa puffs. How how awesome is that? That was a that was a pretty mild. I thought I was expecting a much more scathing, like <laughs> well. I didn't tell you about the time I put eggnog in my coffee instead of creamer. That's yeah. the there was even a time I didn't have any creamer, so I took a spoon of ice cream out of the freezer and put it right in my coffee. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that'll get you there. Yeah, that'll get you, that'll get you zinging. Yeah. Anyway, I feel better. I feel better for getting that gluttony off my chest there. Get it off that's, your chest. That's what we're here for. Get it off your chest. Uh, since we're all sharing, I've been known to rip open a box of cereal and just dump milk right into that plastic <laughs> bag and start mowing it down with a serving spoon. Well, that's what you used to do with the little, you buy the little boxes, right? That come in the, you know, pack of 16 or whatever it is, 12 yeah, exactly. boxes of the little mini cereals and just slit the cardboard open and pour the milk in and eat it right out of the box. This one, you just take the lid off, pour milk in and exactly. you're it's good like to go. A- it's like what they call them walking tacos nowadays. Just <laughs> throw all the ingredients in a bag. You know what my daughter did the other day? We had a, just a little bit of uh, Lucky Charms and and just a little bit of Cocoa Krispies. And she was like, "Can I mix them together?" And I'm like, "You're a genius, kid." I was like, "You go for it." You know, <laughs> this kid's smarter than me. Um. So now moving forward or moving backward, depending on how you feel about this next candy. <laughs> You guys have heard of the uh, cereal corn pops. Yeah. Well, how about candy corn pops? Uh, oh, I see God. what they did there. I see what <laughs> you did, meow. Um, basically, they just took corn corn pops and threw in candy corn. <laughs> Straight up candy corn. Straight up candy corn. <laughs> No, they had like other, other, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? They had other pieces that were shaped like candy corn that had air quotes, candy corn flavor. I see. Uh, and depending on who you are, that might just be just brimstone and death. Cause some people just hate candy corn with a passion. 
I like candy corn. I'm one of those weirdos. Um, but yeah, candy corn pops. Moving forward, we've heard of Captain Crunch. Good old Captain Crunch. Let me guess. Captain Crunch with Marshmallow Goes. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Haunted Crunch Manor. Yeah. Uh, no, they went simplistic on this one. They took off the captain and just said, this is Halloween Crunch, y'all. Halloween Crunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, captain Crunch, Halloween Spirit. Um, let's see. Feature the captain dressed as a mummy and a werewolf. Alternative boxes. Um so there you go. Basically, and it's just Captain Crunch, regular old Captain Crunch when in like Halloweeny shapes. Oh, and in a in a turn that I think is only a bad move, um, this cereal turns your milk green. Mm. Yeah, feels like you're sipping on a bowl of pus, huh? Right. Who wants booger milk? Not this right. one. Right. Right. <laughs> you see, that, that surprises me that they took that slant. If if I was, you know, if I was, if I had Captain Crunch and I was trying to make it spooky for Halloween, I would almost take like a like a ghost ship approach. You know, almost like a Pirates of the Caribbean type feel to it. Oh yeah, yeah that'd be a good idea. Haunted nautical and make that and make that milk turn red like the seas when they ran with blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't do that. You're the kid. <laughs> But what do we know? We're just the guys who put eggnog in our coffee. So this is right. <laughs> who are we? We just we just put ice cream in things. Um, the next one is kind of an obvious one, but still a fun one. Ghostbusters cereal. Uh, the Ralston brand cereal. That's kind of going back in time there with that brand too. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five. Uh, that was when that cereal came out. And it had some glow-in-the-dark um, cool features on the box, but kind of your typical oats and marshmallow theme for cereal there. I thought you were going to say the cereal glowed in the dark. I was like, that would be is that like a radioactive ice? radioactive. <laughs> the milk makes your teeth glow in the dark. And, you're, and, you, and it hurts when you pee. Ghostbusters cereal. Uh, the next one, we're getting into some classics here that we may find, that we may, uh, find f- uh, familiar here. Uh, number five with Yummy Mummy. Yummy uh, Mummy. Which I'm no expert. I'm no, uh, I'm no paleontologist, but I think most mummies are not yummy. But in this case, <laughs> this one is delicious. Uh, fruit flavored cereal. Uh, once again, has like, like, uh, corn and oats, uh, like clusters with, uh, marshmallows. There's the, like I'm telling you guys. Ghost marshmallows. That's where the money's at. And they know the mysteries of the Sphinx as well. Exactly. And they, too, are remote viewing. <laughs> uh, this one I was a fan of uh, as a kid, actually. It was one of the lesser known ones. Fruit Brute. What? Fruit Brute. See, threw Andy for a loop. Fruit Brute is basically in that same um, pantheon of Yummy Mummy and also Frankenberry and the other one we'll we'll talk about here. But Fruit Brute was introduced into in the mid seventies, Pat. So I could picture Pat with his, really? uh, his with his um, Boston T shirt and his mullet as he's eating a big old bowl of fruit. You know, put some hair on your chest. Fruit Brute. Yeah, where's the Fruit Brute? <laughs> It's sponsored by sponsored by Popeye, right? <laughs> he's, the only, he's the only werewolf cereal. There's no other werewolf uh, themed cereal here. Huh. Uh, the television ad said it had a howling good taste of fruit and a fun <laughs> play on words. And um, the cereal actually makes a a cameo appearance in the Quentin Tarantino film Reservoir Dogs and in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Good old fruit brute. Coming in at number three, which hey, I, I found uh, there's links online. You can buy like t-shirts and sweatshirts with the fruit boot, brute like cereal box cover on them. Yeah, yeah, and it looks fun. Like looks like it's fun. See, see, Pat wants some fruit brute now. <laughs> um, coming in at number three, this is where we're getting into the top, the top, the top three, the uh, the trifecta of Halloween paranormal, not Halloween, but paranormal cereals, Frankenberry, which yeah. we're all yeah, yes. there we go. Love some Frankenberry. Uh, created by General Mills, uh, the number three uh, Frankenberry, sweet strawberry-flavored cereal with marshmallow bits and a cuddly pink Frankenstein-esque monster. <laughs> It'll turn your poop blue. 
Or was it pink? I don't remember. Uh, Frankenberry was Frankenberry pink. Frankenberry was pink. Okay. Well, no, but Andy, you weren't too far off with the number two one that was my personal favorite. Booberry. Booberry. And Booberry turned everything blue. Yeah. <laughs> Teeth your tongue. <laughs> um, and Booberry came out in 1973, so it's technically, uh, older, older than Fruit Brute, but younger than Frankenberry. Frankenberry was 71. <laughs> Uh, Booberry, uh, and his chocolate friend, which we'll talk about in a little bit more here, was a ghost, uh, with a little, a little cute hat on his head. Um, his name is Boo. That's the character's name. And, um, he comes up to little monsters and says Boo, causing them to jump in terror. But it's a blueberry, blueberry flavored cereal. But in a fun twist, no marshmallows on this one. Really? I know, right? I guess mm. I don't remember that, but. And last, but certainly not least, the reigning supreme champion of paranormal serials, the one, the only, Count Chocula. (laughs) That's hard to beat. Yeah. Right? Everybody loves that Count Chocula. uh, Completing the total domination of Halloween and paranormal (laughs) serials is Count Chocula. Came out same year as Frankenberry in 1971. Uh, Chocolate flavor frosted cereal with marshmallow bits. So there's marshmallow bits in this guy. Um, Count Chocula has a memorable slogan. Pat, you might remember this only because uh, you were a, a child at this time. I want to eat your cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, they used to have some cool commercials. Yeah. Uh, the character of Count Chocula is a vampire who prefers chocolate to blood. Nice. He's like, no, thanks. You hold on to your blood. I'm here for your chocolate. <laughs> Um, so that is the, that is the top 10 paranormal themed cereals that you can enjoy with you yourself and your family on, on Saturday mornings. And there's so many more too. Oh, there's so many more. Oh, there are. You have some honorable mentions, Pat? Throw some in there. Yeah, I do. Uh, how about E.T. cereal from 1984? Some nice alien themed cereal. You got a picture of E.T. on the cover. Um, Oh, one we can't forget is Lucky Charms, right? Because oh, he's a leprechaun. Oh, so that's kind Charms. of paranormal-esque. Oh, totally. Yeah. When are they going to come out with, like, Bigfootos, you know, or something <laughs> like that? You know, just... Exactly. They could be cereals that shaped like Bigfoot's feet, you know? Marshmallow bits that look like... Like boulders that he threw at you, right? Bigfoot leavings. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate marshmallow drops. Ooh, so there, there was another one that was real popular. It was actually introduced in 1965, and it it ran through the mid-70s and kind of made a quick appearance back in the 80s as well, called Quisp. Yes. Q-U-I-S-P, Quisp. Does it have an alien? And it had a little alien guy. He had uh, He's like a little alien in a green kind of space suit and uh, – he was a pink alien with a like a propeller on the top of his head. Yeah, I remember the quisp, the quisp alien, the quisp alien. So um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You're crazy for crazy for energy, they would say. Oh, he's and they were saucer shaped uh, cereal nuggets. So I'm gonna hang one out there and say that the Quaker guy for the Quaker oats, <laughs> he was the original man in black. <laughs> he was a man in black. <laughs> we're, we're getting into some conspiracy theory territory. <laughs> he now. was. He was onto something. He knew about it. You know, I would be very surprised if our listeners aren't. You know, they probably got a craving, and now all of our listeners are eating bowls of cereal right now. They just dug into whatever they could find. <laughs> Give me that quiz. Where's that crazy quiz back? Where's that quiz from, from 1973? <laughs> oh, here it is in the back of the pantry. Slightly oh, expired. <laughs> it's all one fused block of cereal. <laughs> but but yeah, it's a fun it's a fun look. There's a lot more to pick from, and uh, yeah, we've only kind of scratched the surface. We'll yeah. kind of, we've talked about it before, doing like a paranormal food review, even um, as a short little video series. So uh, stay tuned for some of those developments on our Facebook page. That's right. Well, as we come down from our sugar high, uh, we'll we'll wrap up the episode with our. Uh, with our main course, the main mystery, and I actually have a triple header lined up for you guys coming up next. My pancreas hurts, Andy. And now it's time for the main 
history. <laughs> okay, guys. I was I was thinking to myself, what can I present for to for this show's main mystery? And I, I kind of got into a into a subject where I couldn't pick just one, so I picked an entire category of creatures that are out of place, things that don't belong. Um, you know, and so I pulled a book off my shelf that we have uh, kind of jokingly referred to as our Bible. It's called uh, the it's called Unexplained. And it's basically a giant encyclopedia of weird phenomena by an author by the name of Jerome Clark. And I rounded up some stories in, in the section of out-of-place beings. And the first one I came across, you guys have all heard this myth before, alligators in the sewers. Yep. Mm, yep. yep. Local le- legend, urban myth, more so in some large cities, uh, primarily New York City, uh, it's a kind of an urban legend of people uh, reporting large gators in the sewers. Surviving off rats and homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Eddie, you're from Florida, where the you know home of the gators. So, uh, did you did you regularly see alligators out there when you lived in Florida? Oh, like in Florida? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Like so, they just like they just like walk around the golf course like they're you know just like a squirrel. It's it's just common to see them out there. Oh, dude, golf courses, uh, parks. I mean, if you're it, it, they've said it before, but it's true. If you're near any body of water in Florida, it's best to assume there's an alligator in it. And uh, I mean, typically the ones that I ran across were what you would call babies, but they were still four or five feet long, you know. Wow. And uh, you just let them go. You're just like, yep, he's on his way, and they will leave you alone. You're not in danger. They're not going to come after you. Usually most of those attacks are people who stumble across one, you know, because they're chasing a golf ball. There's some horror stories on that one. And, uh, you know, people who leave Scrappy out to go to the bathroom, oh, here you go, Scrappy. And then they go back, and all there is is a leash, afraid, afraid <laughs> leash. <laughs> and uh, Poor Scrappy. Poor Scrappy. Uh, and so, really, but the they are dinosaurs. I mean, they are just walking dinosaurs. And when you see one, you just kind of give it away. I mean, I've seen Hulk... Lines of traffic just stopped because there was a ga- gator taking his dear sweet time crossing the road. <laughs> just mean mugging him from the side of his eye. Would. No eye one eye was going to get out of their car to move him either. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, nope, it's all right. So, you know, I started reading this and I was like, okay, surely this is just urban legends, uh, local myths, you know, gators in the sewer. We've, we've all heard it. Well, apparently on June 28th, 1932, uh, near the Bronx River, right there in New York, there there was a three foot gator found dead uh, near that body of water. And three foot, so like you said, Eddie, maybe a maybe a baby. But I don't think I don't think alligators go that far north. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't. No, they're cold. Probably blooded, somebody's they can't, pet. can't survive there. Yeah. So in um, between March. 1935 and June 1937, uh, there were both live and dead alligators uh, recovered in that same area. Uh, you know, the reports keep coming. February 10th, uh, 1935. So check this out. You guys will relate to this. This will take us back to our childhood. So February 10th, 1935, some teenage boys near the Harlem River, uh, they're shoveling snow, uh, as one does in February in New York. Right. Yeah. They were shoveling snow. Apparently, there was a manhole cover that was open. It was exposed to the sewers below. Back then, I guess they didn't worry so much about kids falling in. They just viewed nope. it as a life lesson. Eh, if you're yeah, dumb enough to fall in, kid, it's your own fault. Climb back that'll out. That'll learn you. <laughs> that'll learn you good. So these these teenage boys stumbled across a manhole cover. What do you do when you're a teen and there's an open manhole cover in February? You, you, you shovel don't... you shovel snow into it naturally. Oh, yeah. You fill that sucker up. <laughs> you fill it up with snow. So what they did is they they looked down below and about ten feet below them, down in the down in the pipe down there was a giant alligator, and they could they could see it. It looked like it was trying to get up. It was trying to escape. So. What do they do as teenage boys? Well, they get a big piece of rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They they make it into a lasso. Uh, they must have used all of their combined strength because what happened is they lowered it down. They somehow got the gator attached to it. They pulled the sucker up, pulled him up on the street level. And this kind of, you know, I, I kind of cringed at this part, but it was... Uh, the book made no qualms about it. They proceeded to take shovels and end the gator's life, which I oh. thought was a bit excessive. 
Ah, uh, the 1930s. Uh, yeah. Simpler times, back when you could bash a gator right in the middle of the street. Yeah. That's a Little Rascals episode gone wrong right there. <laughs> That's all that. <laughs> totally. Um, so that they actually ended up taking the, the carcass to, I don't know, a, they, they took it somewhere to have it weighed and measured. It turns out it was 125 pounds. That's not a small gator. That's not a small, seven and a half feet long. Whoa! Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, eventually there was the, the superintendent of sewers there in New York. Uh, he, he got, you know, kind of fed up. He hadn't seen one. He had heard reports. You know, he thought maybe, uh, uh, some of these reports of people seeing them down in the sewers could be attributed to city workers drinking on the job. So he says, I'm, oh, good old Teddy. I'm going to take a flashlight down there. I'm going to go see for myself. Oops. Well, sure enough, he saw some, he saw some big ones, uh, with his own eyes. And so, you know, in reading further in this book, um, it said that between 1843 and 1983, uh, no less than 84 alligators were found in the sewers uh, in the United States. And um, Lauren Coleman, who is actually a, a well-known cryptozoologist and Bigfoot hunter, he chimed in in this book with with a good point that these these are gators, these are alligators, which first of all, are not native to New York. Yep. Um, secondly, on the off chance that you can, you know, on the black market that you can buy a, or even at like an, an exotic pet store, you know, people would buy caimans. Uh, caimans are like a cousin of the alligator. They're not nearly as big. Nope. They're not near, they have similar features, but they're not nearly as big. So he said that still doesn't account for why we're finding alligators, not caimans. Um right. You know, so um, how they got there, nobody knows, because it's not like you can find a gator uh, in a pet store and then flush it down the toilet and then it grows into gargantuan sizes. So what we have here is a creature that truly does not belong in a location that it, it continuously is sighted at. So I, I rack in my brain. I can't think of any theories. I, I'm stumped here. It's a portal, baby. That's all I, that's <laughs> going straight at it. <laughs> There's an underground gator tunnel that goes from Florida to New York, right? Yeah, the Gator timeshare. They're like, it's great up there, I swear. I don't know. I, I'm kind of thinking black market, and people get tired of them. They flush them down the toilet or something, and they ended up in, in the sewers. More often, that's usually the <laughs> I mean, I was, I was halfway. My, I have one foot on the portal theory. That's all. <laughs> I'm the spoil, spoil sport of, of this one. But that, Pat. You sucked all the fun right out. I did. Didn't uh, I? <laughs> I'm just thinking if you flush a gator down the toilet, you better darn sure make sure it's not coming back up when you're oh, doing number two. This is right? true. Like, this Pitt. is true. New York gator too. He's coming back with like a knife or something. Hey, walk in here. Hey, hey flush me down the toilet. Eh? I brought my friends with me now. Now you're not so tough. <laughs> Forget about it. eh? Sleep with the Caymans. <laughs> You think right. I'm funny? You think I'm funny? I make you Do laugh. I amuse you? <laughs> so funny. You think I'm a clown? <laughs> think I'm an alligator? You think I'm a crocodile or something? <laughs> I'm an alligator. I'll put a mark on you. <laughs> <laughs> we lost Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm you with the discarded pets, zoos. I mean, the New New York has had had and has a zoo, and this is what again we're talking about the 1930s, Andy. Yeah, 1930s primarily. Anybody oh. will die laughing their heads off. Uh, look this up, and guys, you grew up in this town. I didn't, and I don't know if you heard the story, but you guys ever heard about those monkeys that that went loose in Omaha and caused all that trouble in about the same time frame? No, I no. Didn't. You guys ever heard about this? I don't you think I've ever heard that yeah. story. So there's a park here in uh, Omaha uh, called El uh, Elmwood Park. Sure. And in Elmwood Park, there, uh, I believe, was, and there may still be, a sizable pond, um, mm -hmm. a, a big one. And and they had, in the middle of this pond, at least at that time, there was like a small island, um, like a little, little patch of trees in the middle of this pond. And one of the Parks and Rec people, once again, this is like the 20s, 30s, and they're like, you know what this town needs? We need tourism. We need more tourism in this town. And one thing I think will be fascinating to have on this island in the middle of this pond will be some monkeys. <laughs> People would come, and they were like capuchin monkeys. They weren't like, you know, full-on great apes and stuff. They didn't have, like, you know, chimps and gorillas running through the town. But 
they were like these little capuchin monkeys, like those little guys you see like on uh, Night at the Museum and stuff. Right. Or like on a pirate shoulder in Pirates of the Caribbean. And so they got a bunch of these capuchin monkeys, like like 20 of them. And they were like, all right, they're on the, they're on the island. And then they literally were like, we're all happy, all, you know, shoulder clapping each other. Like, we're geniuses. We're going to make so much money. People are going to come and see our Omaha monkeys. And they didn't even stop to think for half a second. That the monkeys can swim. Our monkeys can swim. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on the island. The news article is hilarious. You will, like, tear up. You will pee laughing a little. Those monkeys were on the island for less than five minutes. They were like, I'm bored. I'm bored. They jumped in the water to the people's horror as the monkeys got to the other side of the shore and just tore off into Omaha. So so when was this? It was like in the 20s. It was like the late 20s, early 30s. Okay. Yeah, the monkeys of Elmwood Park. you got to look this up. And they, I, they yeah. literally were like causing a ruckus in Omaha. They were like jumping up on people's balconies and throwing fruit. It was <laughs> stealing babies. It was not a good look. By Jove, those monkeys can swim. All the monocles dropped when those monkeys jumped in the water. They were like, oh, Hans Bodskins, look at these monkeys. Who knew? Did you know they could swim? I go over to Darbin, they're riding the horses around the track. <laughs> Guns. Planet of the Apes in this town. What's happening? <laughs> Whose idea was this? <laughs> the guy uh, running. That's not a jockey. <laughs> what? That, that human jockey is really tiny. <laughs> a monkey. <laughs> one of them uh, rolled we went off the rails on this one. Like, How did he get in? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> we went off the rails on this one. I'm just oh, surprised good. you guys didn't hear about no, that. I, I'm going to have to go look this up. That's my project tonight. Oh, yeah. I gotta compose myself. That was all right. That was phase one of the three-part main mystery with a bonus from Eddie. There, nice. can't believe I've never heard that story before. Look it up; oh, it's crazy, man. All right. Well, gun the poor monkeys down. That's the other side of that sad story. Sorry, I'm not laughing. It's just crazy. Like, well, it's your fault. Earlier, we were talking about um, various cereals uh, turning various body parts uh, different colors. Yep. Have you guys heard of the the case from the 12th century England of the green children that were found? Oh, those green kids. Yeah, because this is in uh, Britain, right? In England? Correct. So 12th century, this actually took place in Suffolk, England. Uh, There was two children, uh, presumably a brother and sister, uh, that were found in a field. Some people were plowing the field, and they found these two kids that were crying hysterically. So the adults uh, took them to a nearby town of Woolpit, and they were actually held and cared for inside the home of somebody by the name of Sir Richard de Calm. And so the children had green skin. There was a green hue to it. Um, they had strange clothes on that were comprised of a, a material that nobody could identify. Uh, furthermore, the kids did not speak a lick of English, which is bizarre in and of itself. And they loved beans. Uh, they, they, they were, these kids looked malnourished. They tried to get them to eat something, anything. They, they wouldn't touch any human food until they gave them beans. And even initially, I think that it was like kind of like a green bean. Uh, and initially they, they acted like they had never seen such a food before. They didn't know how to eat it. They were unsure of it. And kind of once they got them better acquainted with beans, that's all the children wanted to eat. Yeah. Huh. Beans for breakfast, beans, beans, beans for lunch, beans for dinner. More um, you eat, green toot. That's right, green toots. <laughs> green toots for everybody. Green toots. <laughs> so the, the children um, eventually became uh, kind of assimilated. Uh, they slowly picked up English. Um, unfortunately, the the boy eventually passed away um, from poor health, and the 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 girl eventually learned more English. And and in talking to her, she reported that they had come from a place called Saint Martin's Land, Saint Martin's Land, and they reported that you know what they can remember before being found in the field was that they came from a place almost. It was otherworldly. It was almost like a cave where there was no sun. They they reported that the the twi- almost like twilight conditions, almost like 
uh, how bright it is just after sunset. They reported that that that's what they were used to, and they reported that everything, you know, in Suffolk, England, seemed too bright. Um, they they said that the place where they came from uh, had no sun, but there was a river, a large river, and at the end of this river. Um, there was almost like a glowing something. There was a, like a glowing entity that kind of resembled the sun, but it was different. Uh, St. Martin's Land. So the, the girl eventually, um, you know, she grew up, she learned English. She actually got married and uh, kind of began, you know, life 2.0, as it were. Um, not everybody subscribes to the idea that this was, you know, that these were green Martians or that the kids, you know, came from some, you know, portal, you know, from some distant place or time. Some people speculate there might have been a down-to-earth explanation. One researcher says that uh, near Suffolk, uh, England, was the Flint Mines. And the Flint Mines were near Thetford Forest, which was near the village of Fordham, St. Martin. Mm -hmm. So might not be too much of a stretch, you know, maybe... Who knows? You know, maybe the children were, were, we can only speculate, maybe they were part of a cult, maybe they were badly treated, maybe they were confined, you know, perhaps they lived a very uh, sheltered life where they weren't allowed to go, you know, beyond their own little bubble. Uh, but it is interesting, you know, the the green skin, the, 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 the not speaking English thing really gets me, though, because, okay, even if these kids were raised in weird circumstances. Why, why didn't they, why didn't they know English? You know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. You get into weird, like you were getting into like those break off cultures, like people who like, you know, the, the Appalachian mountain people that live up there and have their own dialects and stuff like that. Um, certainly a possibility. I mean, and yeah, I mean the story, the, the telephone game with the story like that, they could easily have gone from, Oh, they were pale and malnourished to they were green and had, yeah. You know, and superpowers, but but on the flip side of it too. I mean, you start getting into these stories about these cave dwelling uh, uh, cultures of humanoids. Uh, in this case, a lot of giants, but and these kids weren't big; they were just normal sized. But I don't know. I mean, there's there's there is there is something fascinating to that potential of there being a like a like you said, Andy, like a offshoot human civilization, humanoid civilization living on their own. Well, and. There's no shortage of caves. I mean, if they did come from a cave, I mean, granted, this was in England, but, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, here in the United States, we have the largest underground cave network anywhere in the world. And you get right. over into Missouri and Kentucky. I mean, they got right. more caves than underground tunnels and they know what to do with. God knows what's in there. Yeah, that right. could be there's, worse. There's stories about, uh, what people believe are like goblins or something. They come out of caves in West Virginia or it's uh, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, West Virginia Somewhere and in Kentucky. The, in the yeah. Yeah, and Kentucky. Yeah, they, I mean, you have Mammoth. I've been in Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Mammoth is no understatement. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's huge. I mean, yeah, God only knows what's in there. Green children, zombies, Bigfoot. Who, who knows? I, who knows? That's a weird one. So that's part two. Part three, a little oh. bit closer to home, boys. We come uh -oh. to the Midwest, Midwest of the United States. Because we are homeboys. At <laughs> home, right. and we're boys. That's right. So, um, kangaroos, uh, known to be in Australia, not so much Nebraska, correct? Correct. So far, yeah. So, and excuse me if I block the screen a little bit here with my giant book. Now, if a monkey's riding one, you can sign me up for the loony bin. <laughs> There's a monkey riding a kangaroo. You got yourself a show. I'll buy a ticket. <laughs> Done. <laughs> So, yeah, there's a lot of sightings of kangaroos um, around the Midwest. Uh, actually, on June 12th, which is actually my sister's birthday. Hi, Elizabeth. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Happy 1899, birthday. a couple years before she was born. Uh, and this was in New Richmond, Wisconsin. Uh, there was a, a woman who saw a kangaroo uh, bouncing through a neighbor's yard. Now, the circus was in town. So naturally, she thought, okay, a kangaroo got loose from the circus. She asked the people at the circus. They owned no kangaroos. So yeah. either A, they were lying, or B, uh, we have a, crypt, a cryptid sighting. Now, cryptid, you know, is not just a, a creature like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. A cryptid could be any animal that's unexpected or not known to live in certain parts. So right. kang kangaroo in the Midwest would be a, a cryptid creature. So the following year... 
in Mays Landing, New Jersey, uh, there was another sighting of a farm family heard a, a scream actually coming from a nearby barn. And uh, what they said was they saw a big, huge creature, uh, about 150 pounds, they guesstimated. But the, the odd thing was is that it sounded like a woman screaming in, in, in an awful lot of pain. So that's that's cause for alarm. Uh, kangaroos don't sc- scream, do they? They have a weird call. I know do that they? much. I, I know it has... Sheep and a it's a weird sound. I know Tasmanian Devil has a, a hell of a hell of a scream, obviously, but uh, don't, I don't, don't they just go ah, ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, ee, ooh, <laughs> This segment is brought to you by Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> so the fam- anyway, after they saw the creature, it sounded like a woman screaming, and they later went out and measured uh, the the foot tracks, and they were eight to ten feet apart. Which I I, th- I believe is consistent with kangaroos. Actually, some kangaroos can bound even further than that between jumps. So yeah, you get, got yourself a kangaroo. And then uh, 1934 in rural Tennessee in um, January, actually, kangaroos mm. in in Australia. I mean, you think of kangaroos, they're used to Australia, warm climate. I mean, I'm thinking oh. a, a a kangaroo in January, even in Tennessee, January is going to be freezing cold. Chilly. But a person saw what looked like it, it was fast as lightning is what they reported, and they said it looked just like a giant kangaroo. Now, kangaroos are usually not aggressive, and they're vegetarians. Uh, but witnesses claim that this creature actually attacked and killed dogs, geese, and ducks. Now, kangaroos have been known to beat up dogs. Do you guys now, see that video of that guy that squares up and punches the kangaroo because it was trying to mess with his dog? <laughs> Pop, right in his face. Yeah, it's great. Cause, and if you look, that kangaroo has his dog in a weird chokehold. Yeah. He's holding his dog down by its neck. And it's weird seeing a not human, but the kangaroos ha- kind of have that shoulder. It's eerie. They look like people almost. And, yeah, that guy runs up there and just checks him right in his face. Just a quick little pop, a jab, and it stuns the kangaroo. The kangaroo's like, what the heck was that? And he drops the dog. And drops the dog. Yeah, uh, if you, <laughs> if our listeners have not seen that video, pause this podcast, get on YouTube, and look up the – you know, we're not condoning kangaroo violence. You don't just hurt <laughs> kangaroos for sport. No, don't be punching kangaroos. But – this this kangaroo, like like Eddie said, he had this guy's dog in a chokehold, and you know, his, his dogs are our best friends. So of course, he had to protect his his kid, and he, he just just wallops this kangaroo. Kangaroo well, was okay; it hopped off. I mean, and that's dangerous too, because uh, kangaroo, especially kangaroo uh, males, they have a, in, especially when they're when they're kind of entering into their puberty phase. They have the. I don't know how I know this much about kangaroos. I just do. <laughs> Eddie's kangaroo, kangaroo corner. <laughs> they have a crazy testosterone dump, and they get yoked. If you look seriously, look up like <laughs> it's crazy. They're all roided out, and Dude, they look up. roided out, and it's not Photoshop. These kangaroos have like traps and pecs, and they have like crazy like bodybuilder oh yeah i i just recently saw a video where there was a kangaroo like trying to get into somebody's house or like looking at they had like this big picture window and he was banging against it this thing had a six-pack it 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 was huge i mean it was buff yeah and i'm like i'd be terrified if that thing was hitting on my window (laughs) (laughs) getting a cannon get it out of here we almost but, need uh, to reach out to our our super fan David from Australia, who who chimes in from time to time, and yeah, maybe David he's got some know. kangaroo stories for us. I've heard they're a menace, frankly. But anyway, the point is, like <laughs> that guy going up there and just popping one in the face. That guy is brave as the day is long because those things can really they'll they'll put a they'll put a hurting on you. I think. And I don't know. They're they're just human looking enough that it gives you the willies. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I I don't know. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's possible that that you know these kangaroos you know were killing uh, small animals and and you know ducks and geese and dogs. But um, I don't I don't know if they were eating them necessarily. You know, I, I guarantee a swift kick from a kangaroo to a smaller animal would kill that animal. Oh yeah, there's no question about it. Did you see but, a bounce of a cheeseburger in his hand? You're like, what? Well, <laughs> I thought you were a vegetarian. <laughs> What's happening? So, 
And it goes on and on. January 1949, the headlights of a Greyhound bus actually uh, picked up uh, a strange creature crossing a highway near Grove City, Ohio. That was about five and a half feet high, hairy, brown in color. Uh, and that was from the driver named Louis Staub. And, uh, but the weird thing about this particular case, he says it actually appeared to be on all fours, not necessarily bouncing across the road. So that, I mean, that makes you wonder, are we into like chupacabra territory? Like what is, you know, what is that? Or even a Sasquatch, you know, sometimes they say Bigfoots will be on all fours. True. Running around. And Bigfoots are certainly known to be jacked, you know, yeah, hitting the gym, hitting Globo gym. Just Bigfoot shredded. All right, so here's a little a lot much closer to homeboys. 1958 kangaroos were in the vicinity of Nebraska towns, um, two different towns actually, uh, as far as a hundred miles apart. So this can you can rule out just um, you know un- misidentification. You can rule out just one rogue kangaroo in two different towns, a long ways apart from each other. And uh, <laughs> check this out: there was a brewery owner by the name of Charles Wetzel. And when he caught wind of these kangaroo sightings, he even gave one of his beers the brand name of the Wetzel kangaroo beer. (laughs) (laughs) He saw a marketing opportunity and he He quote unquote, and he quote unquote jumped at it. Oh, Oh, yeah. See what I did there with the funny? That's funny. You queued right up. Uh, Last one that I'll mention, uh, April 24th, 1978. Uh, to, ma- I'm going to butcher this, Menomini, Menomini Falls, Menominee? Menominee. 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 It's in Wisconsin. Um, two men snapped two Polaroid photos of a huge kangaroo in the brush alongside a highway. And Lauren Coleman, who's the leading authority on North American kangaroo sightings, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> what the hell? Lauren Coleman is the authority on every cryptid in every state that has no explanation. Um, But anyway, he says that it shows a tan animal with lighter brown front limbs, uh, hints of lighter brown hind limbs, dark brown or black spotches around the eyes, um, upright ears. You know, it's a kangaroo. And he says it actually compares favorably with what's known as uh, Bennett's wallaby or brush kangaroo, Mm. which is native to... Tasmania, not hmm. not near uh, anywhere where we're from. So not, not near Hastings. Not near, not near Hastings. <laughs> um, so there you go. Too many accounts to dismiss. Uh, we can't deny it, but we can't explain it. Um, you know, you, you you rule out you rule out circus escapes. You know, what are we left with? I, are they are they falling out of spaceships flying above? I mean, there are so many ways. I mean, like like Pat was saying before, like black market stuff, just weird rich people who are like, I already have everything my heart desires. What else shall I have? Bring me a, a llama. Kangaroo, a kangaroo butler, perhaps. <laughs> you know? And, and, and then, then they, they put them in the, their backyard and they jump over the fence and <laughs> the, the rest is history. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like Monkey teams. Island. Just like the Monkey Island, they lasted yeah. for five minutes, and then it jumps the fence. <laughs> Did you know kangaroos could jump fences? No, I didn't know. No, Did you? Didn't even think about the it. Kangaroo. They got the kangaroo in like a tuxedo that's been specifically designed for a kangaroo, and he rips it off. He's so jacked. Just, <laughs> jumps over the 12-foot-high fence. Well, I'll be. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, God. I mean, it's, it's like Tiger King. Gosh. I don't know if you guys or any of our listeners watched that series over I the old not- <laughs> I you did didn't? not go on purpose. Yeah, I, I you know either either yes, watch it or don't. Follow your gut on that one. But oh my god! But yeah, I mean, there's people living in rural. I think it was like Oklahoma or something like that. And I mean, they're hearing like tigers roaring in the middle of <laughs> the middle of rural Oklahoma or whatever, and they're like, "That's not normal." You know? <laughs> They got they got exotic animals just everywhere, and sometimes they get loose. And yeah. yeah, it's probably more likely that, but it's weird that there's so many sightings like that. You know? Yeah, it well, it's odd. it's it's weird. This was a fun episode, guys. From you know, from uh, alien government conspiracies to cereal to bouncing kangaroos in the Midwest. I think I think we've covered it all. We can lay this this episode to bed. 
Yeah, your <laughs> listener should be exhausted from this one. <laughs> like a kangaroo jumping around. <laughs> well, thanks oh, for that God. one. Yeah, Andy, that was an awesome one. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, all, all you listeners, as always, you know the drill. You can uh, find all of our pictures, posts, all of our crazy content on all of our social media platforms. You can reach us through email. And uh, big shout out to all the people at freesound.org. That's uh, where we get a lot of our sound bites and uh, little audio clips from. Uh, be sure to like, comment, and share on your favorite social media platforms, everything from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook, and and uh, tell your friends and family uh, about what, we, what we're doing. Uh, if you think that they'd like us or, or uh, just be entertaining to listen to. Uh, a lot of people have come back and been like, we play you guys when we're having a nice campfire or something like that. So just, uh, yeah, share the Paranormal Dad experience with your friends and family. And finally, of course, from all of us here at Paranormal Dads, we want to wish everyone a happy new year and may everyone have just uh, a, a fantastic 2021. It's going to be good. It's going to be the yeah. best. It's going to be a great one. Right. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you had fun. See ya. I'm going to get a Dr. Pepper. I'll be right back. <laughs> Reminds me of that for the Forrest Gump part of that movie where he's like, "I must have drank thirteen Dr. Peppers." <laughs> Lord bless Pat's soul. We'll miss him oh, forever. Oh, I... Welcome to a sophisticated episode of Paranormal Dads. Eddie has a charcuterie tray of the finest meats and cheeses. Fine okay. meat. When in doubt, pinkies out, gents. Eddie currently has his finger extended to show how sophisticated he actually is as he munches on his cheese. And his saltine cracker. It's a burden and a blessing being this sophisticated. Uh. He's beef Wellington, she. <laughs> <laughs>